Welcome to the Cowboy Chronicles, the Oklahoman's Oklahoma State Athletics Podcast. I am your host, Scott Wright, joined by Jacob Unruh once again. We're in the mobile podcast studio heading down the road. Jacob, another uh, another productive day talking to OSU athletes today, getting ready for the Boise State game. It was, uh, it was a fun one. Had some uh, some entertaining guys. Colby Harvell-Peel, always good to talk to. This is the I've, first time we've talked to him. I know. All season, all preseason. And it's it's a shame it's taken this long. To it talk is to Colby. It really is. He's uh, he's by far. I don't know if I'll say by far, but I'm gonna have to think about it. Uh, but I'm definitely gonna put him number one in the most entertaining players to talk to. Absolutely. And it might not be close. I mean, he started off the day by walking in a Tanner McAllister jersey. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I asked him if he got his jersey stolen. No, it was the other way around. He stole Tanner's. <laughs> it was uh, very entertaining. Said that uh, the, the focus is on man coverage, and Tanner's uh, Tanner's really good at man coverage. So he feels like he's a, a little bit uh, a little bit better at man coverage with Tanner's jersey on. So, so it, it was it was fascinating. It, it was. was fun, interesting stuff all the way around. We'll get into some more of that later, but um, get into uh, some some Boise State thoughts a little bit later. Uh, but um, we uh, we got to visit with Cole Birmingham. He was the offensive lineman sent in front of the firing squad today. We keep getting these guys they, sent to us. Yes, they uh, they keep sending them up there to talk to us. I feel bad for them each week. Uh, but uh, but Spring Jake Springfield last week and uh, Cole Birmingham today. Cole was uh, was very uh, very accommodating, very nice, very friendly. Um, didn't have a lot to say about the offensive line. Says that that, uh, that they're rallying together, rallying to become great. So you take him uh, take him at his word uh, that they are uh, aware of of mm-hmm. kind of the uh, the perception of the offensive line right now and uh, and what it's uh, going to take to uh, to get this uh, this offense on track because um, you know I'm still not putting everything on the offensive line. I think that the uh, the running backs have something to do with it as well. And uh, and preparedness on the behalf of the coaching staff is uh, a, a big part of it as well. So there's uh, a little bit of everything out there, but um, the offensive line is, I think, probably problem number one when you uh, when you look at this team at uh, at this point. Jake, would you agree? Absolutely. Um, you know, I know Gundy said yesterday that they were better than he initially thought right. on film, but I don't know how much of better they really were right. than that. I mean, there's still, still a lot of struggles there. They're moving guys around. Birmingham, one of them, all of a sudden is a left tackle this week. Yeah. Um, it sounds like to me like he's staying there, I guess. He didn't say otherwise. Right. Um, Seemed that way. And, you know, so we'll see how that goes, how that, how that works moving forward. But, um, yeah, I mean, and I think they're fully aware that's the issue they need to fix the most because it'll help the running backs fix their issues. Um, it'll keep Spencer Sanders, you know, comfortable. Um, it'll help young receivers too. Um, it just helps everything when the offensive line is right, and that's the biggest issue. You mentioned the young receivers. I want to talk about those guys because um, I've written about them a couple of times now in uh, in in different ways. Uh, most recently on Monday, Monday's paper, writing about them gaining the trust of the coaching staff. I think uh, I think you agree with me in this that, uh, that we're both a little bit surprised that it's uh, that the uh, the lack of trust is as high as it is, and obviously the coaches see things that we don't. They, you know, we they see uh, they see blocking issues and and missed assignments, and 
and and things like that that we don't understand. But these guys just just feel like playmakers, and they uh, the uh, the lack of trust is uh, just a little bit surprising to me still at uh, at this point. And I understand they're young, but I'm still a little surprised by it. I I am too. Um, you know, they keep going to the miss blocking assignments or. Or something like that. And, I mean, yeah, that's going to happen. That happened for Tylen Wallace. It's not like he blocked perfectly every time. You still trust him to go make a catch. Right. And so it's just it, – it baffles me that they're not as trustworthy. They're not, you know, running – as Barry pointed out on Saturday, run some slants, run some shorter patterns. Right. You know, get these guys a little more comfortable too. I mean, if they're going out making these big-time plays, catching deep passes, making – crazy good catches like Bryson Green did in the end zone and right. they're doing these things I don't understand why you don't feel like you can throw them the ball more um, Yeah, but maybe they'll start doing it more and more as these guys play more um, you know of course Tay Martin could be back on Saturday and right. Braden Johnson for all we know and they've got veterans back out there they don't have to worry about it as much but they're still going to have to play those guys and yeah. you're going to have to be willing to throw the ball to them because right now defense is just loading up saying throw those guys the ball because we know you don't want to Right, and we're going to stop the run instead Exactly, and and that's where the uh, the numbers game that, that Gundy likes to talk about really comes into play, and that's where uh, that's where the quarterback run game comes into play. I think in uh, in a lot of ways because I, I feel like they uh, they need to take advantage of that extra man uh, in the box and uh, and and uh, draw him out by uh, by running the quarterback more often than they do. I think that they uh, they they showed some plays, some some zone read looks that weren't necessarily zone reads that were uh, that were more handoffs, um, and uh, and uh, you know when Sanders hands the ball off, he takes off running the other direction, as if he might have kept it. But I don't know how many of those times he was actually reading uh, what was happening in front of him, and I think there was more a, a design to keep the defense off balance and try to open things up on the other side of the field. So I, I think that there's no reason to uh, to hold back at this point. Sanders is a, uh, is a redshirt junior. He understands what is, uh, is needed of this offense, and a big part of that is him being able to run the ball and being uh, a dangerous weapon, which we saw he could be. Um, you know, I went back and watched that 37-yard run that he had that set up the last touchdown, mm-hmm. and uh, I was even more impressed with that the second time around than I was the first time uh, because he does a great job of pulling that down when it when the the wide receiver screen gets jumped and immediately turning and taking off and finding open uh, open room. Now, obviously, he could have stepped out of bounds at the end and avoid avoided the whole fumble replay <laughs> review and uh, or switched hands. Yeah, that too could have done that. And, and avoided the fumble replay review and and gotten gotten past all of that and not had the uh, the drama that they, they had to deal with at that point. But to uh, be aware of where he could find some running room right away was uh, was really impressive. And he ran hard and and ran smart on what appeared to be a called a designed run play for him on that third and eight play when he gained nine yards and mm-hmm. and put the game away. So. He's he's such an important weapon when he takes off and runs, and and I think that uh, that they would be smart to use uh, to use more of it. I just I I, I don't see uh, 
I, I think that's the most obvious answer to immediate to bringing immediate help to the offensive line and the run game is to uh, is to run the ball with him, Jacob. I yeah, I mean that seems to help. Um, I find it interesting the offensive linemen. We've asked multiple offensive linemen now if it's different blocking with Spencer than it is right. Illingworth. You know, a guy that can run compared to a guy who doesn't really run at all and. They all say no. They dismiss that question real quick. Right. I kind of feel like they're just not one to really answer that question. That's very possible. Um, but yeah, I mean that that seems one of the quick, easy fixes is to to use him more in that run game, more read option. Though I do think that one of the fumbles he had was on a was on a read right read option. Yeah, that, I think I think you're right. I think he read it poorly and um, or held on the ball too long. I can't. I, it was kind of a weird yeah hard exchange. To tell. Hard to tell what happened there. Um. You know, but I still think you got to go with that more and more. Um, and I think you got to go with Jalen Warren a little bit more too. I'm starting to really get on the Jalen Warren bandwagon. Yeah, I think it'll really help too. Um, but I mean, I think it comes down to just what Spencer does in general. Um, whether he's allowed to, I say allowed. I mean, I'm sure that's probably the right word, I guess. But allowed to trust his receivers more, right? And then yeah. run the ball more too. Um, so it all comes down to Spencer. Yeah, it does. And I'm with you on uh, on on Jalen Warren. I think um, he and Dominic Richardson bring the most physicality. Mm-hmm. I say I say that. I, I, I think I still think that Desmond Jackson is the most physical of their running backs, but he's carried the ball six times. He's fumbled once and been injured, so it's hard to uh, hard to know what to predict out of him. But um, but Warren and Richardson have both run really hard and really effectively when they've uh, when they've been in there you saw you saw Dominic a lot more at the high school level than I did uh, because I had I had moved on mm-hmm. his last couple of years did, was he was he this physical a runner at at the high school level because he was a small dude back when I was covering him when he was freshman and sophomore He's, he was a skinny guy he started to get that way the junior year the junior year was last year I really covered him closely um he started it that way. He was getting real big and physical, um, but he was also so much better than a lot of the other defenses that they right. it wasn't had to need. He didn't need to be physical as much because he just outran a lot of guys. Right. And so, um, but I go back and think of a game his junior year against Carl Albert. Um, you know, Carl Albert obviously is in the middle of their five game five five state title streak. Right. Um, playing really really well defensively. They got a lot of veterans defensive end and. McGinnis is really having a hard time running the ball with Dominic. There's just nowhere for him to go. They put him, you know, they, they're they're in the risk of getting blown out by halftime. And they they second their second half they come out and put Dominic at quarterback and just run the wildcat primarily. And he and Carl Albert literally could not stop him in the wildcat formation. <laughs> he just automatically has the ball in his hands. He can see everything happen. He starts running through people. That's when you start to really know his physicality. He almost single handedly came back to beat Carl Albert. They lost the game. But he almost single-handedly did. He had a long touchdown that was a go-ahead touchdown, call back on a penalty nah. in the, late in the fourth quarter. He almost single-handedly beat Carl Albert because he was that big, physical, and fast running back. I'm uh, I'm more and more impressed with his running style the more I see of him. And mm-hmm. and uh, you know he had the big game against Baylor last year when he got his real his real first chance to uh, to show what he can do. Uh, but he and uh, he and Jalen Warren. I think Jalen Warren has earned a lot of trust mm-hmm. from this coaching staff. Uh, for one, he holds onto the ball really well. From from what I'm told, 
He's uh, his ball security is uh, is top notch. I mean, he didn't lose it during all the dance off he put on the <laughs> on the field. That's exactly right. Yeah, <laughs> uh, and he and he wasn't. Uh, you know, he's a guy that absorbs a lot of contact and seems seems like he's got two hands on the ball a lot. So he's uh, he's prepared to handle uh, uh, that type of uh, of contact. So the other thing on on Dominic, I'll say too, real quick was. He wasn't, you know, you mentioned he was small and not as physical. Is he got that? He, I, all three years I covered him in high school, he always ran hard forward. He mm-hmm. was never a dancer. Right. He never, he never tried to do too much. He just ran hard forward. Yeah. Yeah. And that's, uh, that seems to be what's paying off for him right now. Uh, you think back to that, uh, that fourth down run that he had that was uh, a really cu- crucial mm-hmm. uh, conversion there. Um, that was a, uh, that was a big time run where he just got upfield and hit the hole and, uh, and uh, you know, jumped over the pile as he was getting through uh, through the line to uh, to convert that fourth down. So I think uh, I think the more that you see of those two guys, the better for for Oklahoma State because they need guys that are going to run through tackles and uh, run through arms and and uh, run through the trash in the middle of the line. And I think those guys are uh, are showing that they are uh, are more than uh, ready to to handle what's ahead of them. That said, um, I still think that uh, that there's there's room for uh, for other guys, but I'm becoming less and less sold on the idea that you can play all four of these guys. Yeah, as as much as they're trying to, it just doesn't feel like anybody can get into a rhythm. And I I kind of wonder if they're going to have to uh, start to narrow down the amount of rotation that they're uh, that they're asking of these guys yeah i think so i'm starting to think des jackson's gonna be the odd man out right now it could be that way yeah um unless they decide they're gonna save dominic a little bit more right just because he's so young but i mean it's hard to not put him in there the way he attacked on saturday yeah um i know they didn't play him the first game but i think they realized their mistake quickly after that but um yeah i think you know to me, it's got to be Jalen, Dominic, LD, um, and if Dez is healthy, then maybe. But I think those three – I think you can do three. I really do think you can do three. Yeah, yeah. It's that fourth guy that just makes it really hard. Um, you know, and I think maybe you could start leaning towards Jalen if you got LD doing what he's doing in the return game. Right, You yeah. know, um, I think that really helps. So Jalen was on that return as well. <laughs> yeah, because um, I still find it interesting that Jalen was in the end zone with LD yeah. as he crossed the end zone line. Both return guys got through, so <laughs> I thought that was really fascinating. Yeah, um, but yeah, so I think I think you're right. I think you got to start trimming it down a little bit. Um, maybe throw a guy in the slot some too if you want to get all of them on the field at different right. times. And which I think we saw Jalen Warren in the slot a couple times. I think. And yeah. So. Um, you know, there's options for that, but you're right. You're, they're going to trim it down, which I kind of expected, anyways. Right. I kind of expected by Big Twelve play, especially they start trimming it down. Yeah, exactly. And it was just going to be interesting to see who it was that uh, that came out on top. And um, I think LD Brown provides some value because he knows the offense better than probably any of them, and uh, understands blocking assignments and and uh, other things that you're you have to do when you don't have the ball in your hands. Um, I think he's probably. I mean, I don't know enough about Jalen or Dominic as a receiver at this point to say say what I think about them for sure. But I think that uh, that LD is a is a valuable receiver out of the backfield, so I can see a spot for him there. Um, 
you know, and I thought I really thought Jackson's role was going to be as the power guy, and and it looks like they've got some other guys who can be that. So it's going to be interesting to see how they uh, how they start to divide things up going forward. Well, I think it's safe to say that uh, that running the football is the key to going into Boise on the offensive side of the ball. Uh, the key to going into Boise and getting an upset, or yeah, an upset. I, I almost almost corrected myself, but then I remembered, yeah, it, it would be an upset. Technically, an, oh, technically an upset. Yes, four point uh, or somewhere in that neighborhood, depending on uh, what sports book you're looking at. Three to five point uh, underdogs the Cowboys are on Saturday. So. Uh, but uh, with that said, what on the defensive side of the ball do you think is uh, is going to be the key to to pulling the upset in Boise? You know, I hate to just steal what Mike Gundy tells us, but I think the pass rush is going to have to get better. Yeah. Um, they only had two sacks on Saturday, which kind of surprised me. It felt right. like more to me. It did. Um, they got to the quarterback. They just didn't get sacks. And, and, and Davis Brin was elusive. Yeah. You know, he wasn't just – a statue back there and Boise State's gonna kind of do the same thing and they've got good receivers then um so it's gonna be interesting but I think the pass rush I think you've got to get more pressure on the quarterback um I don't feel like they played Colin Oliver enough necessarily the way everyone talks about Colin Oliver right I don't feel like they played him enough on yeah. Saturday I think you got to unleash him a little bit more in that pass rush yeah I would uh, I would agree and I think that with the talent that that Boise has at the receiver position, you're going to have to get pressure mm-hmm. to uh, to give yourself a chance. And uh, obviously, it's a completely different team on both sides of the ball from 2018. But you go back to that game, and the big thing that stood out was uh, was guys like Jordan Brailford getting to the quarterback. Calvin Bundage had a sack that day. Um, guys were getting to to Brett Rippon that day and making it really difficult for Boise to get anything going offensively. And uh, and that was a, uh, a major turning point in that game. And I think that's going to have to be the case for the defense this week. Um, they're going to have to do things to uh, to put Boise behind the chains and, and get off the field. They're going to have to get some takeaways. Special teams were big that day. They had two blocked punts, one that got returned for a, for a uh, touchdown uh, by Oklahoma State. Eamon Ogbong-Miga, before he was a uh, household name. Wow. Was, uh, was in on uh, on one of those, and uh, and and they had uh, two big punt re- punt blocks that day that were uh, were crucial to uh, to pulling off that victory, uh, and really boosted what the uh, what the offense was able to do that day. So some uh, some plays like that, you know, Mike Gundy has been raving about the special teams from a week ago against Tulsa. And if they can uh, pull out some, you're, I mean, you're not going to return a kick every week, but if you can get some big plays in the special teams game, it can uh, it can really flip the field and uh, and turn things in your favor. So I think that's going to be going to be a really important factor for this uh, for this game as well. I'd like to see a kick return every week. You know what? Because I was thinking about this the other night, especially after the play. That might be the most exciting play in football. It might be the kick return. It might it might be. It's uh, it's it's pure pure excitement when you see a a kickoff go for it go back for a touchdown. Yeah. I so I just like watching those. So I'm I'm for more of those. Either team, I don't care. Right, doesn't yeah. like watching. It doesn't them. matter. It's just fun to watch. Yeah, it's a fun play. Yeah, I agree. Um, one uh, one thing that I think will be uh, will be really crucial is is the 
coverage uh, of of the Oklahoma State defense mm-hmm. uh, because the, because Boise is so talented in the uh, in the receiver uh, in their receiver group. Uh, we've seen uh, the one guy whose name escapes me now uh, was uh, had was in the top ten plays and I just wrote this the other day. <laughs> right, can't he's got an interesting or... name. Yeah, um, but uh, they're uh, they're really talented in in that area, and Oklahoma State's going to have to uh, continue to play really tight coverage like they have done the first two games, but the uh, the competition level steps up a notch this week. So, Khalil Shakur. There right? you go. There you go. He's uh, already caught 12 passes of 257 yards and two touchdowns. Yeah, big time player, big time player. So that will be uh, that will be a huge key. Uh, Boise State's secondary, uh, from uh, from what uh, what I can gather, is really good at crashing down on the run. Uh, which is a, both a good thing and a bad thing for a defense because you don't yeah. like to see your secondary making a bunch of tackles on on running plays. Mm-hmm. But it's uh, but it's good to have a secondary you can rely on in the run game to uh, come up and fill gaps. So it's just going to put a lot of it might put a lot of one on one situations for these OSU receivers though. Right. And if you have Tate Martin back out there, I like that matchup. Yeah. Um, I think I, I think Tay probably plays this week. And Braden, Jaden Bray, I like that matchup with him too. Yeah, absolutely. Braden Johnson, I'm not so sure about. Um, uh, I don't. I don't know the uh, the chances of him playing this week from uh, from what I've heard. So um, we'll see. We'll see what the uh, status is of those guys. But Tay Martin could be a uh, a, a real real boost to this offense, just because it uh, it brings back that that uh, that trust brings the, brings that trust element into uh, into play because he's a a veteran guy who they uh, they know what to expect from and. He knows what to uh, what to expect from the coaching staff and what they're looking for. So, I think that will be uh, that will be very important. I mean, he was a guy who was targeted ten times in the uh, in the opening game and produced over a hundred yards on six catches. So, really a valuable uh, a valuable guy. And that brings us to our uh, our game prediction segment. Not uh, not the final score, uh, although we might uh, we might talk about kind of how we think this game is going to end up, but. Um, but some some very specific statistical questions about the game. We forgot to do this last week. I was really disappointed that we forgot to do it for the Tulsa game. Uh, Whoops. But, uh, yeah, yeah. We'll add that to the list of the most important things I forgot. <laughs> so Push on um, that Saturday night. Right, exactly. Um, so we'll start there. Which wide receiver, or uh, could be a running back, which player will have the most targets at the end of the game on Saturday? I'm going to go with Tay Barton if he's playing. I really do. I just think that, you know, play number two the other day, they went straight to Tay Martin. Right. Um, I think that Tay Martin, if he's playing, is going to be a target early and often. Um, based on the trust factor, like you just said, I right. just think that they just trust Tay Martin so much. And if you get him in these one-on-one situations, you've got to throw to Tay Martin. So I think yeah, I think absolutely. that's the answer. I am. Uh, I'm going to go with Brendan Presley again. He led the team yeah. with ten targets uh, on Saturday against Tulsa. I think that there is a concerted effort to get him more involved. Uh, he's been targeted uh, what, 17 times through two games, and uh, the production has been has been mild. But I think that they want to get him more involved, and they want to see more out of him. So uh, I'm going with Brendan Presley again to uh, to lead the team for the second time. 
All right, we'll stay on the offensive side of the ball for one more. What, uh, yes or no, will Spencer Sanders lead the team in rushing again this week? Hmm. I'm going to go on a limb and say no. Okay. I think uh, I think this is Jalen Warren's week. I just I could see that. Have that feeling that you know Warren led him in carries last week, and I feel like this is his week. I can see that. I uh, at the same time I think that I'm going to go yes because I think that that Casey Dunn sees the uh, the value in mm-hmm. uh, in the weaponry that Spencer Sanders' legs bring to the table. So. I'm going to go with yes again. I think he uh, he breaks off another big one, and uh, and probably comes at a at a crucial time once again. So I'm going with yes. All right, last one, uh, and then we'll talk a little bit more about the uh, the game itself. But uh, which defensive player not named Malcolm Rodriguez leads the team in tackles this week? Ooh, hmm. I'm gonna go with Devin Harper. That's a good call. His partner in That's crime. That's a good call. Um, he'll be a little healthier this week, I think. I think so, too. And a little faster because I feel like he was a little slow the other night. Um, understandably, he's dealing with a foot-ankle injury. Right. Um, but I think he's going to be back, and I think he's going to be all over the place like Malcolm. That's a good call. I'm uh, I'm going with the guy that I uh, said at the beginning of the year was going to lead this team in tackles. Um, not convinced that he's still going to do that because Malcolm is at a, is off to a ridiculous <laughs> pace. Malcolm's right already now. got 400. Yes, uh, leading the NCAA in tackles right now after two weeks um, is Malcolm Rodriguez with 28 stops through two games. Uh, but I am going with Trey Sterling to be uh, okay. to be number two this week. I still think, uh, obviously, by the the way I phrased the question. I still think Malcolm Rodriguez leads his team in tackles. The way that he's playing is is on a different level, and I thought that Colby Harvell Peel's description of him was uh, was right on. He said, "I don't know what makes Malcolm great, but he's great." Yeah, because it's yeah. so it's so hard to uh, to pinpoint what area of his game is uh, is really so stellar. Obviously, he's a, he he doesn't miss tackles. That's uh, that's a big part of it. But he is uh, he is as Colby said, grabbing onto everything that comes through. And uh, and Colby joked that selfishly he wishes uh, a few more guys would do it, would slide through so he could make some more plays. But <laughs> uh, as a team uh, a team guy, he's uh, he's glad to see Malcolm making those plays. The the funny thing about Malcolm is he had six tackles in the first ten plays in week one, right? And it was very similar. I don't remember the exact number now. It was very similar last week too. He right. comes out like a madman, yeah, and, you, and he's just all over the field, and it's insane. Um, it's incredibly fun to watch, but yeah. Yeah, I'm with Colby. I don't understand it. I don't know that I'll ever understand it. <laughs> right. Um, but there's no complaints there to watch that because it's really impressive. Yeah, it is. And I think he's earned himself a paycheck in the next year. Yeah, I think so too. I think he's uh, a guy that's going to go up and uh, and play in the league. Um, if nothing else, he's a guy that's going to be incredibly valuable on special teams and mm-hmm. can be a, a reliable backup linebacker. And and come off the bench and uh, and and make tackles for you. You got you guys like that that can do things like that. Um, it's a really a a big time boost to your organization. And he's uh, he's a guy that I think is going to provide that for somebody at the next level. All right, I'll go ahead and uh, and ask. I won't. We won't, won't do specific score predictions unless you want to. No, I'm uh, not there yet. I, I've got mine in the uh, in the bank already, but. Um, we can uh, we can go ahead and talk about 
what do you think happens in Boise? Um, we get to watch a cool game on blue turf. Uh, no, uh, I'm really looking forward to the blue turf. Not I'm, to interrupt your prediction. Yeah, I'm, I'm really, I'm really, I'm gonna rub that in your face. Yeah, I'm not a, making a, this a, trip, and I'm really, really jealous of this blue turf. Barry Trammell's already there, and Colin said it's fantastic because he just was on the turf today. Yep, um, doing some reporting there. Um, look for that later in this week from Barry. But uh, no, my prediction is I think OSU is going to win this game. You know, they're the four-point underdog. Um, and I think I think um, they're going to get a little bit better. I don't know. They're going to be they're not going to be perfect. I don't know if it seems ever going to be perfect. But I think that their areas that they need to improve in are going to improve, and they're going to get a win. I think so, too. I think they find a way to run the ball better. I think that uh, that the defense is uh, is is juiced up for another another really good game, really good on third downs, getting off the field, maybe get some turnovers this time uh, this time around that the, the count instead of the the kind that get taken away. And uh, I think they pull out the win as well. I really think this is going to be a low scoring game. I think uh, I think twenty points is going to win this game. I, I legitimately do. So we'll see. We'll see if I'm right. I'm usually not, but. That's uh, that's what I think. So I think generally, twenty points is going to win OSU a lot of games this year for some reason. Yeah, it is. It, it probably is. I think the defense is going to be uh, is going to be really strong all year, and uh, and going to keep them in some games. As long as they can avoid throwing it to the other team uh, yeah. on offense, I think that uh, that that they can win. Uh, they can win a lot in the twenties. All right. We'll come to uh, to my favorite segment, the most important thing I forgot. Anything uh, anything left dangling out there that uh, that, that we, we missed? We didn't talk up Colby Harvell Peel, the rapper. We didn't. He's got an album dropping tonight at midnight, apparently. That's right. Tuesday number, night at midnight or Wednesday morning at midnight, whichever you prefer. Yeah. Like, uh, what, number seven? I album think number seven. seven. Album number seven. His um, rap name is Kelso, K-E-L-S-O, for those that okay. uh, are unfamiliar. I'll admit, I don't know that I've actually listened to any of his music. I did. I wrote a I wrote a story yeah. uh, last year about his rap career. I and, meant to uh, go listen, but it was hectic fall for me. Yes, you were a little bit busy last year. <laughs> that's uh, that's understandable. And uh, and and Cohen was not ready for the lyrics that no. uh, that Colby Harvell probably peeled. still isn't ready for those lyrics. <laughs> no, he, no, he's not. You don't you don't <laughs> want to share with him on on this one. You want to let uh, let him have a nap and then go check out some <laughs> some Kelso songs. All right. So. So there you have it. That's uh, that was a good one. We didn't uh, we didn't talk about that. That's uh, really good. Album number seven from him. He is a uh, he is a record producing machine. On a, on another topic about music, you know, I heard you know who wants to get into music. I heard about who's that? Kate Cunningham. No kidding. Yeah, apparently he wants to do something like this. Well, that's interesting. Yeah. So good stuff. Just an interesting note for our listeners there that Kate Cunningham at some point. I don't know if he's going to produce, if he's going to drop music. I don't know, but right. it's uh, something to watch out for for the uh, number one overall draft pick. He's in Detroit. That's a good place to uh, to go it produce is. some music. Yeah. So can't beat that. All right, with that, we will uh, shut it down here for uh, for this edition of the Cowboy Chronicles. But Barry Trammell and I will be there in Boise to uh, to bring you the uh, the post game, tell you what the uh, what the up close and personal view of the blue turf is like and uh, and all of those things that jacob doesn't get to do so boo thank you for listening we'll talk to you next time on the cowboy chronicles boo.